Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. Hello, and welcome to the History Chicks. You have either downloaded or stumbled upon our 100th show anniversary celebration. It's also our seventh year anniversary celebration, so it's kind of like a twofer party. Although, due to the fact that we did not think ahead, this is actually episode 144. (laughs) (laughs) and who was the 100th episode the 100th episode was actually in april of 2016 and it was an episode entitled zelda fitzgerald oh my gosh i loved that episode oh wow that was a surprising one good i'm glad she was 100 that was monumental for me it was a very contentious episode as i recall because we even put a disclaimer at the front like look either you'd like f scott Or you'd like Zelda and never the twain shall meet. And we still did get some agitated feedback, but we did tell you that we were leaning towards Zelda. Yeah, it was Warren. It's kind of like a consistent through all of our episodes. We are always going to be more sympathetic to our subjects. It's just the way it is. And it's funny because you can study things like Mary the First and then the polar opposite of her, Elizabeth the First, and you feel their side during the time that you're studying them, even though they were antagonistic toward each other. I kind of love that. That's a surprise thing with this whole project. Things like that, where you can see both sides of the same discussion. I loved it. We thought that we would give you for this episode a little bit of a backstage pass to our processes and some things that have been going on through the past seven years. And we should start, as all things do, at the beginning with our origin story. Once upon a time, I was reading a book by Carol Wallace and Gail McCall called To Marry an English Lord. I have one of the original copies. It is beat to heck. I am just not very respectful of this book, but it's well-loved. It's so loved, it's become real. It's like the Velveteen Rabbit. That book inspired me to learn more about the women called Dollar Princesses who traveled across the ocean to marry titled men in Europe. But I looked on iTunes and there was nothing there. And I felt a cold bath of fear wash over me and kind of realized (laughs) that if I wanted such a podcast, I would have to make it myself. And so I contacted someone that I had met only online on a mom's message board, you know, the kind of thing run by the local newspaper. I'd never met Susan in person, but I tracked down her number and called her and her husband answered the phone. And I said, well, uh, can I leave a message for Susan? It's Beckett from Mom to Mom. And I wondered if she would be interested in starting a podcast with me. And her husband replied, what's a podcast? So we met for pie and I don't know why, but I put my little black snowball microphone in my handbag as if that would be some sort of incentive. (laughs) and uh, took it. And we talked about Marie Antoinette. We talked about kind of just not even practicalities. We were just like, yeah, sounds fun. Let's do it. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. (laughs) And this was definitely one of those times. That's for sure. So why don't you sit back and stay with us? And we're going to go through some episodes that stuck with us a whole lot of 30-second summaries that we really, really loved, some outtakes, and just like Becca said, a behind-the-scenes pass. At the very end, we will give you the names for our next guaranteed content poll, as well as some audio clues for upcoming episodes. And here's your 30-second summary. 
Seven years ago, 144 shows ago, two ladies got together over a dining table and a microphone and made their own sort of history. The internet will never be the same again. It's Susan Vollenweider and Beckett Graham, the History Chicks. The end. And so you might be asking yourself, hey, what was that that we just heard? Well, that is our trademark 30-second summary, kind of a little highlight reel of what you might be about to hear. And it's also an opportunity for us just to be kind of goofy sometimes because the 30-second summary is something that we kind of, we don't make it up on the fly, but we make it up the day of recording. And it's always different. Um, Some are sung, some are really bad poetry, some are a fairy tale. It, It goes the whole realm of literary devices, I guess. Whatever we're feeling that day is what we do. I think it would be good to take a look at the two Marie Antoinettes. Our first episode was Marie Antoinette. And then we covered her again years later because that first episode was just making us cringe. It was the first time we had been on a mic and it was the first time we'd sat down together to do this. So we had no idea really what we were doing. So if you listen to this 30 second clip, it's a tale of two Marie Antoinettes. The first one is from our very first show in 2011. And the second one is from four years later in 2015. Although I have to say we liked the metal imagery, so we kept it. And here's your 30-second summary. Princess born with a silver spoon in her mouth travels to France to marry a boy with a gold crown on his head. She spends quite a lot of money on jewels and then meets up with a steel blade. The end. And here's your 30-second summary. Princess, born with a silver spoon, travels to France to marry a boy with a golden crown. She spends quite a bit of brass on jewels, then has an unfortunate meeting with a blade of steel. The end. Sometimes we bring our family in on it. These two are from Annie Oakley and Joan of Arc. Annie Oakley is Beckett's husband, Chris, and Joan of Arc are actually my two children, Noah and Rebecca, fighting. And here's your 30-second summary. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, genuine and authentic, unique and original, Wild West presents to you... The Peerless, Little Sure Shot, Miss Annie Oakley. And here's your 30-second summary. This time, it's a summary of the Hundred Years' War, fought for 116 years between France and England. Stay on your side! Stay on your side! Stop taking my stuff! My stuff. It was mine long before it was yours. Quit it! You quit it. Gosh, you are such a brat. You're not the boss of me. Yeah, I am. I'm telling. Seriously, get out of my room. Now! The end. There's several more 30-second summaries that we're just going to drop throughout the episode. A lot of them um, say who the person is in the 30-second summary. A lot of them don't. So if they don't, go to our website and we will list the names of all the 30-second summaries that we played. It will be in our show notes for this episode. Another special feature that we do uh, almost every episode is called either placed 
if it's me, or dropped in history. And that is where we take a significant event in a woman's life, be it her birth date or the date for which the act she is famous for happened, and we tell you what else was happening in the world that year. It was kind of an on-the-fly thing to come up with this in the first place. When was Marie Antoinette born? What was going on in the world? And when you look at it and you realize, you know, the American Revolution was going on during her lifetime, you don't really think of history always having that depth. Usually you think of it being very linear. It's a timeline. So having this gives a lot more depth. And we've gotten a lot of feedback over the years of people who are just really surprised that Things are happening at the same time as other things. Even in our most recent episode, Pocahontas was alive at the same time as Galileo. (laughs) And based on the feedback, that blew a lot of people's minds. (laughs) Sometimes we go off book a little and we don't follow our usual pattern when we do A Place in History. Shirley Chisholm was one such episode. And what we did is talked about all the things that women could not do when she ran for president in 1972. First, let me drop her into history a little bit. In 1972, in the United States, a woman could not report workplace discrimination based on being pregnant, attend a U.S. military academy, or fight in combat, serve on juries, get credit cards in their name without a man to co-sign. And in 1972, Shirley Chisholm announced her candidacy for president of the United States. Another one that surprised us was the contemporaries of Queen Nzinga. Take a listen. Let's talk about Queen Nzinga. But first, let's drop into European history. In the early 1580s, Queen Elizabeth I was mid-rule. Mary, Queen of Scots, was still imprisoned and was exchanging the letters that would become the Babington plot and end her life. Queen Bloody Mary I's widowed husband, Philip, was trying to get back into British politics. In the early 1580s, the future Queen Nzinga of Ndongo and Matamba was born. Sometimes the thing that surprises us the most is the inventions that were made around the time of our subjects. The first fax machine was made in Emily Post's lifetime in 1922. In Hypatia... When Hypatia was alive in the early 400 ADs, there was a vending machine, there was public hospitals, there was a steam turbine. All things that we use now in our modern day were invented way back then. It's kind of mind-boggling. And now take a listen to these 30-second summaries. And when we come back, we will talk about our phantom episodes. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a baby queen who started on her royal course by fleeing a violent scene. Her mates were Mary, 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 and hey, another Mary. And off she went to live her life. The King of France to Mary. The King of France to Mary. Don't be fooled by those harps. This story does not have a happy ending. Actually, it goes straight downhill from here. And here's your 30-second summary. Are your parts broken? Are your emotions leaking out? Are you full of hysteria? Hide in the closet when the doctor comes around. Because Lydia Pinkham can fix you right up. The end. So what is a phantom episode? What are we talking about? Well, it's episodes for whatever reason that we are 100% convinced that we did at one time that we have recorded. They're in the box somewhere, but literally can't find them because they likely don't exist. 
We are certain that we both watched Pride and Prejudice back when we were studying Jane Austen and that we ate syllabub. I remember it vividly. I remember writing the notes from it, but it doesn't exist. I honestly don't remember recording it. And I have photo evidence that we had syllabub. I made it. I took a photo of it. It exists. But somehow the episode around which we created that whole historically accurate dish does not exist. It still blows our mind. We can't believe it. It's like we slipped into, maybe it's a time travel mistake. Nefertiti is another one. I could have sworn I did the research on Nefertiti. Now, more legitimately, perhaps, um, we had planned to do Aunt Jemima as a minicast after our Betty Crocker episode, and then we thought better of it. Although Nancy Green is a fine lady and had a nice career, etc., we felt like Aunt Jemima would be a very, very bad opening foray into the world of non-white subjects. I just thought that is not very good. So we began instead with Ella Fitzgerald. Somehow we never came back to Aunt Jemima. Um, uh-uh. We may in the future, but um, we never did. So she remains there floating around as a possibility. When we were covering the 1950s housewives, I had lived a week as a 1950s housewife as much as I could. Uh, I remember recording it. It doesn't exist. It's a post on our website. I did write up about the week and there's photographs and all kinds of interesting details about my week and the dishes that I had to do because I couldn't use my dishwasher and how my feet, I didn't like walking around in those heels all the time. I did like the lipstick though. That was good. (laughs) But yeah, the podcast itself, non-existent. We did record audio and it's mostly honestly kids um talking in the back seat (laughs) we recorded audio for our little trip to atchison kansas where we went to amelia Earhart's house we stood in her bedroom and we looked across at the same view she would have seen um we meant to post that as a history chicks field trip and i just discovered it in my phone last week we've never done a thing with it it was a fun trip though We saw a bear in the back of someone's pickup truck. We should find that picture. That is not something you see every day. A giant taxidermied bear roped into the back of someone's pickup truck. I remember looking over thinking, well, we are in the country. (laughs) But are we? I mean, I don't even think bears walk around here. That bear is is a tourist. He's from somewhere else. He's an import bear. Why don't we listen to this 30-second summary, and when we come back, we'll talk about why we do or do not do interviews. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. And in about an hour, you'll remember her as much, much more than the mother of a dozen children. The end. So we often get asked to do interviews or, hey, you should interview so-and-so. We do. We get a lot of letters from authors of some wonderful books that would like to come on the show and be interviewed. But the problem is, is that we are not an interview show. It's not our thing. We give biographies. But we did make an exception twice in the last seven years. One, of course, we could not believe that we got a hold of Carol Wallace, the person that had written the book that started it all. We felt very lucky to have been able to meet her in New York City. How gracious was she? to hop on the subway and come meet us out for drinks. We were pretty starstruck then, but then when she agreed to be interviewed, we took a hold of that with both hands. Now, the thing is, we didn't know what we didn't know. And there was a part of our wonderful conversation at which my recording stopped working. 
I didn't discover it until playback time. And I will tell you that I showed up. I showed up at pickup crying that day. I picked up my child at school with some very red eyes indeed. It's that guy from the street. That's who that was. It's like, oh, he just left his horse back a few blocks or something. And now he's going to write angry poetry and drink chinar and absinthe at me or whatever. <laughs> so why do you think... I, okay, so we talked about the fact that we think there was love on most of the heiresses' side. Now, you know, Jenny Jerome is a separate thing. Super love 2000... Are, are you back? I am back. I lost you for a little while. Yeah, oh, what was that? I don't know. All of a sudden I got a message that said... Danger, Skype has lost this call. Um, well, that's all right. We were just, we were shifting from the guy with the fur and the spurs well, to I, the next thing. <laughs> well, I wanted to go back a little bit. Like, we talked about that it was love for the heiresses, probably, or at least glamour. If not love. I don't know. Honestly, why do you think that they threw away basically their whole, I mean. So, is it me or is it you? Hello. And this is where Skype punked out on me, and we talked about how much that Russian prince looked like Jay Peterman, we talked about Lady Mary's lackadaisical parenting style, and the miniseries called Manor House, which I highly recommend getting hold of, and you'll just have to trust me, we were scintillating. The other interview that we've done is with author Amanda Vale. We were getting so many requests to cover the Schuyler sisters, and especially after Hamilton. Everybody wanted to know about them, and there really wasn't a lot of material out there. But we did find a biographer that was researching to write about the Schuyler sisters. So we gave her a call, and she agreed to be interviewed with us. Well, Beckett and I sat down very excited, but again, we didn't know what we didn't know. And (laughs) (laughs) She lives in New York City, and New York City is a great place to live. It's also very loud. So in the background, there was sirens and just noise, and her computer kept making notification sounds, and it sounded like she was typing. It was a wonderful conversation, and we're really looking forward to the release of her book. I believe it's this year. We'll get you some more information as that becomes available. But... Why don't you give a listen to one of the moments in this conversation that just kind of made us go, ooh, we forgot to do that. And they all want to know, what was it like to be a woman at the time of the Revolutionary War? So all of these books are published in middle to the late 19th century. Books about being a colonial housewife, books about schoolgirls in the colonies, all of this kind of stuff. And then they all go out of print. And they're sitting in libraries gathering dust. And if you go and find them, you get this incredible treasure trove of history that has just been sitting there kind of forgotten. It's amazing. Is there some kind of accident happening behind you? Several times over the years, we've been inspired to do sort of parallel projects to our main biography shows. Sometimes when we cover an author, we are inspired to go deep and explore her books, too. The first one we did was Laura Ingalls Wilder. These are the books that especially touch Beckett. They were not part of my childhood as much as they were about part of yours. I had to actually read some of them because I hadn't read them ever. But, you know, they're kids books. So we went back and we just thought, well, we'll just cover each book. We'll do a little recap of each book. And that's what we did. I thought it was so much fun that when we got to Jane Austen, we decided to do it again. <laughs> And I am not sure if the Jane Austen book club was a big hit with 
everybody, but everybody that likes Jane Austen sure liked it. So we considered that a success. As for Laura Ingalls, I will say she or her books were kind of my entrance into history. A long, long time ago, when I was about seven or eight, I was reading one of her books and Laura was standing out in the middle of a field and a feeling kind of washed over her. And she's trying to struggle with the concept of now is now. I'm experiencing it. Surely this moment can never be a long time ago. And that's kind of when I realized that people in history were people. And once upon a time, they were standing in their present just the way I'm standing in my present. It was a kind of a big feeling for a seven-year-old, and I certainly didn't have any words for it. Um, but that's what began my interest in history. Another book series that we covered was the Alice in Wonderland books. We went through them. Um, I had so much fun with Alice in Wonderland just as an episode. So doing the books was kind of an extra special treat. And to be perfectly honest, these little book clubs, just the fact that you and I get to do them together is fun for me. So if people like to listen to them, that's great. But I would still really like to do them with you. So, you know, it's nice that we recorded it and put it out there. And I'm thinking with our new show, The Recapery, we are going to be able to do a lot more of that kind of thing. I'm really looking forward to that. Another sort of special project that we do, we have been calling Movie Casts. After we learned about Beatrix Potter, we covered the Renee Zellweger Beatrix Potter movie and annotated it. I, we got more enjoyment watching that movie after we knew the backstory. I just took that as a very valuable thing for myself, and I hope that others did too. I really got a good kick out of that. We also covered uh, Age of Innocence, although we've never covered Edith Wharton. <laughs> <laughs> is there a method to our madness? I guess you're kind of sensing that the answer is no. <laughs> and that's okay, because it works for us, right? I think that tied in when we were covering the Gilded Age heiresses, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So that's why it tied in. I mean, but no, we haven't covered Edith Wharton yet. She is on the list, and we'll get to her at some point. Another major project we took on was covering Netflix's Anne with an E, which is a retelling of Anne of Green Gables series by L.M. Montgomery. That was a very controversial series. It really took that classic children's story and added some significantly darker elements. So we could not wait until it came and we could not wait to talk about it. And thus we began our technique of issuing recaps that are two and sometimes three times longer than the original source material. <laughs> well, they talk about something that happened in history and it makes everybody like us pause whatever they're watching and go look it up. So we'll do the looking up for you so you can just watch the show because it's fun. It's fun for us to stop and go, oh my gosh, what does that mean? And, you know, to micro analyze a scene and look at the background and it's very fun. And we're doing it now with The Crown. Yes. Our latest episode of The Crown, I will tell you, it was about 54 minutes long as the Netflix crow flies, but we had over three hours of raw material. <laughs> yes. I knew that one was going to be long because I had 30 pages of notes. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing you don't know. We end up with um, basically writing a fully annotated research paper uh, every other week. So uh -huh. that's what we do. Yeah. The last kind of special project we wanted to talk about you know, we did have that phantom field trip to the Amelia Earhart Museum. But we did have an opportunity to travel to our own Union Station here in Kansas City and see the Titanic exhibit on the 100th anniversary. So we got to go out and we recorded ourselves while we were going through the exhibit 
Now, I will tell you there was also an element of spycraft because we weren't actually supposed to record in there, but we did. And as I was walking around, after about seven or eight seconds, your iPhone's screen goes black. So we could keep talking and no one knew we were recording. <laughs> yeah, you just had your phone up like a lot of people do. You know, they walk around with their phones in their hands and you just had it up and we would just kind of huddle together and talk. Yeah, very, very slick. <laughs> And um, it was so much fun. It kind of, I think you had said it once, it kind of has a, the most NPR feel, I guess, of any episode that we have ever done because we were out in the field on our field trip. So here's a little clip from that uh, where we found ourselves amazed at something. The people on the boat heard the fatal strike in different ways. Uh, through the portholes, we saw ice rubbing against the ship's sides. And another first-class passenger said, just a dull thump. It seems like the workers, the ones that were under, thought it sounded like thunder. Right. The guy in the wireless operator thing didn't even feel it because he's on the very top. If you remember right. where that was. Right. The second-class passengers literally saw the ice go across the side of the boat. And the first-class passengers described it as a dull thump. So even, said, even the iceberg discriminated from class. That's, that's funny. <laughs> and here is another 30-second summary. And when we come back, we will talk about how we really kind of messed ourselves up by calling things minicasts. In a world where Southern Bells reigned supreme and the prosperity of a golden era seemed like it would never end, two women, one fictional and one real, lived parallel lives after their comfortable existences were blown apart by the winds of change. They broke free from the expectations society had for them and had to rely on nothing but gumption, charm, and their wits in order to survive. Margaret Mitchell and Scarlett O'Hara. Two women, two eras, one amazing podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. minicast, that's where we got ourselves in trouble. We thought we were doing something nice because we said, we will do these shorter episodes. They aren't full-length biographies, but they tie into another biography that we did. So we won't number them. We'll only number the episodes that are full-length biographies. So we started to do that. And the mini-cast list got longer and longer and longer. And that's why we are now celebrating our 100th show, when in fact it is our 144th show. Mm. So, you know, we had some arbitrary guidelines if it's under, you know, 30 minutes. And then, of course, we fully numbered Dolly Madison. I don't know. Again, we needed some kind of admin to lay it out for us because we did not do a very good job. <laughs> Women like Anne Boleyn are listed in the minicasts. That's kind of an oversight, I think. Yeah, because we get asked a lot why we skipped Anne Boleyn and we really didn't. And we get asked to cover Judy Garland. And we did in the Women of Oz minicast. It's all in there in the minicast, but 
you know, you would never know it. So yeah, we totally shot ourselves in the foot. There's some really cool women in there. A woman named Annie Chambers, who was actually a madam here in Kansas City. She was a wonderful discovery for us. And we love telling her story, but she's tucked in the mini cast. And I don't know how many people have actually gotten to listen to her. Sophie Blanchard was a balloonist back before balloonists were cool. Mary Shelley is down there. Betty Crocker, Anne Sullivan Macy. That is a woman that we did a giant disservice to. Not only did she go all the way through college with Helen Keller and not get a degree, we did not even give her a number. So we do feel bad about that. If anyone could come up with some brainiac solution to get these ladies back in their proper place, we are open to suggestions. (laughs) What we will do is there is a tab on our website that says chronological and it has all the episodes with links to that episode in chronological order. So these women are in that list. So you always look there first. It's the best way we have right now, unless somebody can come up with a better numbering system. And now it's time for another 30 second summary. And when we come back, we will talk about the controversy involved in putting fictional characters on a history podcast. First, there was Henry VII, the Conqueror, then Henry VIII, the serial killer monogamist, then Edward the Boy King, and Mary the Bloody. Finally, a golden orb falls from the Tudor family tree. The Princess, the Bastard, the Brat, Milady, Gloriana, Good Queen Bess, the Fairy Queen, the Virgin Queen, or simply Elizabeth I. The End. So my goodness, a history podcast that covers fictional characters. What are they thinking about? Yeah, we got a little flack from this. But when we started off, we said, let's cover factual and fictional characters. You can tie fictional characters into history. And we wanted to be the ones to do that. So we were very excited when we covered Cinderella as our third episode. Here's a clip from the 30-second summary and the dropped-in history for Cinderella that started a little bit of a... Backlash. Once upon a time, an animated waif with bird friends, a fairy godmother, an enormous vegetable, and amazingly inappropriate footwear married the prince of her dreams. Or did she? Let's talk about Cinderella. Hey, hey, sit down. Put those earbuds back in. So let's just place Ye Shen and Cinderella in history. 850 AD was the Tang Dynasty of China. It was considered the Golden Age of China. In medieval Europe, Charlemagne had just died. Gunpowder was invented in China. And our personal favorite legend has it that coffee was discovered as a beverage in Ethiopia about 850 AD. So controversy, yes. People were a little bit shocked that we would take the opportunity of such an early episode without a body of work behind it to cover a fictional character. But we wanted to begin as we intended to go on, and Cinderella can be tied back to folklore, we went on to cover further fictional characters like Red Riding Hood, Alice in Wonderland, Mulan, The Wizard of Oz, and characters thereof, Gone with the Wind, and 50s Housewives. You are like, they are real people, 50s Housewives, but alas, their image is as fictional as could be, and we covered it in our episode about them. We talked a lot about the TV housewives, but then we talked about the real 50s housewives. And here's a little clip of that when we talked about the darker side of life for those women. I see what you're saying. So um, a little bit, woe betide the woman that wanted a little bit more. 
um, tranquilizer use skyrocketed. <laughs> well, seriously? Yeah. Also, um, diet pills, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's just speed. Yeah. Well, you know, and even back in the day, back in this day, they didn't want women when they were pregnant to get, to gain excessive amounts of weight. So they often gave them diet pills to keep their, help keep their weight down so that they had a healthy pregnancy. Does that sound like the lowering treatment given to Princess I, Charlotte? That's exactly what I thought. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yep. 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 Plus they were also smoking. It's now time for a word from our sponsor. But first, a clip from our Mulan episode, including one of my vocal stylings. She's really depressed. She wanted to fulfill her family's wishes, and she just doesn't feel like she's the right person. And she sings a song that says, Somehow I cannot hide who I am, though I've tried. When will my reflection show who I am inside? Why did you say that and not sing it? Uh... Somehow I cannot hide who I am, though I've tried. When will my reflection show who I am inside? Wow! I got chills! I'm not kidding! And here's your 30-second summary with a certain amount of apology. I was a little product of the Polish aristocracy. Because I was a girl, I could not go to university. My dreams in France were realized, and twice I won the Nobel Prize, polonium and radium and radioactivity. And now we come at last to our regular episodes, the meat and potatoes, some might say, of our show. We went all the way back to Hatshepsut and up to 1972 with Shirley Chisholm and Ella Fitzgerald, who both died in my lifetime. I think in yours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I won't be drawn on that sort of number. So we just go back and forth in time, and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. We just kind of cover people that we want to talk about, and we have to spend a lot of time researching these women, so it has to be somebody that interests us because we're devoting so much of our time to them. Also, it has to be someone that we can get enough independent research material on. There are lots of people we had wanted to cover, but they're only found in, say, one book. And while that might be an interesting story to tell, we feel like we need to come at it from a lot of different sources to really produce a quality and we'll research show for you. So that's why a lot of times people that you really like, we can't really go too much into. And we like to find other things, you know, not just their biography, but we like to find things that play off their legacy, maybe movies or television shows or drinking games. When we covered Jane Austen, I discovered a drinking game, and this clip will tell you um, how I presented it not in the best manner. And Susan has something that may offend the Janeites even more, but I also think it's fabulous. It is. It's the Jane Austen drinking game. (laughs) And we'll link link you to the rules, which I have so thoughtfully printed out for Beckett and myself. Oh, dear. But (laughs) you take one drink if there's conceded independence, such as walking instead of taking a carriage. Oh, well. Take a drink. Two drinks if there's a loss of continence. Continence? Continence. Countenance! (laughs) I'm like, my credibility I ever had I just lost. You take two drinks <laughs> if there's a loss of countenance and then there's <laughs> Okay, 
now experiencing a loss of countenance. Please take two drinks. Whatever beverage. Sounds like we already have. Anyway, we'll link you up to that. Oh, my okay. gosh. Okay. Uh, no, bringing it on back down. Bringing it yeah. on back down. <laughs> okay, so you know there are some that we crack up all the way through, literally. But there are some that you just can't be happy about there's so much fraughtness in the whole thing that you end up being very depressed at the end i remember after we had covered zelda fitzgerald both of us were pretty down for a time and that's not one that you can really laugh through Mm -mm. and i thought going in it would be because i was thinking of her image in the 20s you know the flapper i thought it was going to be like a party episode and it most certainly was not that's for sure yeah i was down for a while clara barton that's another one that brought us down Ooh, i actually think i might have cried during that one trying to relate a story about how clara barton was summoned to a tent in the middle of the night to a dying soldier who had been asking for his sister and was pretty delirious and the commanding officer thought, well, you know, maybe we can pull off a little trick here. And Clara Barton immediately understood and went and stood in as his sister all night and gave him great comfort. And in the morning, he did recognize that she wasn't his sister, but she had made one young boy's dying hours into quite another thing. And I really... Oh, couldn't hold it together during that story. Recently, we've been crying more. I think maybe we need to pick some more happy subjects. But <laughs> <laughs> we cried uh, several times in Queen Lilikulani and in Pocahontas. Both of them, I thought it was going to be more of a fun discussion, but their lives took these turns. The injustices that they suffered were just I mean, heartbreaking that somebody would have to go through this. And once you start to think like our subject and to imagine these things happening to you, it's it, you can't help but cry. We do get feedback from you guys, and we really like to. We do read everything that you send to us. Uh, a lot of you were really surprised with Zelda Fitzgerald, just like we were. Josephine Baker blew your minds because you think of her as being, you know, the banana dancer. But she was on the stage with Martin Luther King Jr. giving a speech. She was a spy in World War II. She had this up and down life and a life of reinvention that just amazed a lot of people. And we heard a lot back about that. Lillian Gilbreth, she was another surprise for a lot of people, including me. I think you knew about her a lot more than I did going in, right? Well, I had done a very extensive run of the play Cheaper by the Dozen, and Lillian Gilbreth is most famous for both the play and the movie Cheaper by the Dozen as the mother of 12 children. And that's pretty much where they leave Lillian Gilbreth in that entertainment circle, but what is not explored is that she was an equal partner in her husband's pioneering work in industrial engineering and motion study. So the fact that we could bring out that half, I mean, really the main part of her personality in a podcast made me feel like what her children had not done with their book, Cheaper by the Dozen, we had been able to rectify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's her legacy. Every time we go in our kitchen and work the triangle. That's her legacy. Every time you step on that garbage can and the lid pops up, that's her legacy. She did so much that we use today. And all we think of her as is the mother of all those children. And I was happy, just like you were, to be able to bring that story. And a lot of people were really touched by it and, and surprised. And a lot of people were also surprised at our coverage of Wallace Simpson. Now, I 
think I was the most, and I don't want to say amused, like I took the feedback lightly, but I was very interested to see that the closer to Britain one is, the more one dislikes Wallace Simpson. (laughs) I think that is a way I can put it that would stand up to factual scrutiny. But we went in with so much research material that I feel like I can stand behind everything we said. Oh, yeah, I do, too. And I'm happy that um, in The Crown, on the recapery, we're going to be covering a lot of Wallace Simpson this season. So we get to bring that knowledge to the drama that she's playing out in. And the character in that show was really fun. I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised at her depth. You know, they, you think of her as either the debutante that got a king to love her, or you think of her as a villain. But there's so much more in the middle. She's not black or white. There's a lot of gray in Wallace Simpson. And people had a hard time accepting the gray. I will tell you that I got so head up during the Wallace Simpson recording that I had to go on a bleeping mission with a little, I want to say I used a Tweety Bird on that one but like wow I got out out of control (laughs) that's so unusual for you I'm usually the one that's got the potty mouth so that was refreshing for me (laughs) hear you you cussing up a storm (laughs) I was even like what has got into me I really feel like Wallace Simpson's legacy had been steered in the wrong direction and I wanted to make sure that everyone understood that we need to take another look we received a lot of feedback on our coverage of Sojourner Truth Because history has recorded her famous Ain't I a Woman speech. It's not fraudulent exactly, because I don't think anyone's doing it maliciously, but in a revised way that was not her original speech. And we were very happy to let you know about her original speech and its content and her accent and her delivery. And we have received feedback from so many history teachers that they have altered their lesson plans based on our show. I kind of love that a lot. (laughs) A lot, a lot. And speaking of taking another look, let's listen to this 30-second summary. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the refreshments that we've had over the years. Bananas, boobies, Broadway, bravery, and babies. The end. In the past, when Beckett and I were able to be at the same table, we often had refreshments. Sometimes it was coffee, sometimes it was tea, sometimes it was brownies, and sometimes it was alcohol. When we covered Carrie Nation, perhaps it was kind of tacky, but we decided in the middle of it to have a bourbon tasting. Let's give a listen to that one. So now, I like that too. We are holding... (laughs) In a vastly inappropriate type of scenario. Completely. A bourbon tasting at my dining room table. Yes. I'm on my second. And I like them both a great deal. Although I have to admit the first one was had a lot more flavor. The first one would be Woodford Reserve in homage to Carrie Nation's stay in Versailles. But this one is also very tasty. Maker's Mark is the second. She has these delightful... Madman type glasses. <laughs> Seriously, she just swallowed. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> bourbon mommies. It's a new podcast. So moving on to serious topics serious. besides the wildly inappropriate bourbon tasting. Okay. So I don't know how disrespectful that was, but it was sure funny. Now, also, we had a less delightful tasting when we covered Lydia Pinkham, who created an herbal remedy for women's complaints in an era when doctors really weren't all that interested in dealing with it. 
Before we get to I do have something. No, I have something. No, I have something. Well, I have a surprise for you. I have a surprise for you. We both pulled out our Lydia Pinkoms because it is still available on Amazon. We I purchased mine. Is that where you got yours? Yeah. Yeah. We've been together too long. We think alike. Only I can't help but notice that mine still has a seal on it and yours does not. Well, I was going to try it. No. Well, I'm going to get it ready. Don't open it because you can still return yours. No, I'm going to. I have I have um, women's complaints. <laughs> okay, so so I was gonna have I was gonna do a t- taste test. Um, oh, I was too. Gosh, I think we need to take a shot of it. I wait. No, t- no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. It, I'm I am smelling the bouquet. Oh, okay, well, mine has breathed long enough. <laughs> I'm not I'm, doing it. It smells like I'm, I'll do it. Hold on. Like the inside of a hamster cage. Oh, actually, it's not as it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. I swear. I'm, am I making a face? I am not making a face. You're not, I'm making a face. It's not like sweet, like cough syrup. It's it's, mm. it's bitter, but it's not like what? It's bad. Wow, our taste buds are totally different. I mean, I'm not gonna put it over ice. I'm not gonna put it over ice and sip it at cocktail hour. But it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. And it it they took the black cohosh out at some point in the reformulations, and then apparently they put it back in. There's only two original ingredients in this one. Actually, I noticed that I was marking it. Um, let's see, two ingredients, the black cohosh mm-hmm. and the pleurisy roots back in. Okay. Here. Yeah. So those are the two originals. But then I, I wrote down they added the dandelion around the Titanic era, so I'm going to call that a legacy ingredient. Okay. But um, most of the stuff is gone. This isn't that – this isn't the same. As what she used to make. No. Hers had true unicorn root, false unicorn root, life root, black cohosh, pleurisy root, and fenugreek tea. Fen- fenugreek tea. Still recommended for women's complaints. So I'm kind of surprised it's not in here unless it's like and prohibitively it expensive. Alcohol, which is not in here it's, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's 10%. Right there. I told 10%. you that earlier. It's a 10%. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was so excited to share my... I know. I even had it hidden behind the monitor. I had it in a bag. Dang it. Well... <laughs> Okay, so honestly, this tastes like, it reminded me of something. There's this liqueur made of artichokes. What? Yeah, exactly. See, you're What's making a face now. I'm- Chinar, C-Y-N-A-R. Okay. Uh, that is Do you have any? You have an extensive bar here. <laughs> no, I have creme de violette, which kind of tastes just as bad as this, actually. But um, I thought you liked creme de violette. I like it with sugar and cream. Oh, okay. Uh, straight out of the bottle. <laughs> yeah. It's like destruction. That's what, that was my first thought. Usually you drink medicines now. There's there's a sweetness to them. There's no sweetness to this. If I was having really bad cramps, I might try it. Well, yes, that's true. And, you know, like Susan said, the reason I even found out this still existed was I searched online, and there are so many message boards... On fertility sites, it sounds like they sound just like the old testimonial mm-hmm. ads. It worked for my friend. I heard of a lady. Hey, this stuff, it's just exactly the same. And this is 2015. Well, so, all right, good. One of the times that we were drinking wine throughout the course of the episode, it was our, one of our Q&A episodes, we were drinking some Pinot Grigio. <laughs> and and listening to, re-listening to the episode, we mentioned it several times throughout. So I put together a little compilation of moments during that episode where we talk about the drinks in our hands. Scary. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to you, too. Welcome to the History Chicks. If you just heard me take a sip, we're actually drinking wine. Usually it's coffee, sometimes it's water, but this is kind of a laid back conversation. So 
Yeah, we. This uh, is actually really good. What is it? It's Pinot Grigio. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what's? But yeah. you know what? It's too late in the year for Pinot Grigio. So you got to finish up your stock. Well, you have to switch to red. I don't know what the dividing line is. Maybe the first day you feel like making chili, I think white wine has to go. You know what? Keep the questions coming because periodically we would like to catch up in this way, I think. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, let us know if you liked it. We, I did. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah. All right. It was super fun. There you go. Drink and talk. Talk and drink. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm a nerd. <laughs> Yes, yes, you are. In the Phantom episode for Pride and Prejudice, we had drank eight syllabub. It's not a drink and it's not really a dessert, but it's a wine and whipped cream concoction. And there's some lemon in there. And it is very, very delicious. As a matter of fact, I started making it after that because it was so good. I made it all that summer. I overdosed on it, actually. So we don't have any audio clips because we cannot find that episode that I swear exists, but we can show you the picture to prove we did it. And there's also a special feature on the website all about whipped syllabub. So we will link you to both of those things. During our coverage of Anne with an E, I made something for every single episode from the Anne of Green Gables cookbook. Because Beckett and I were not recording together, I was the only one that got to eat it, which is kind of fun. <laughs> there were some really good recipes, and my daughter had made the shortbread cookies, and she loved that recipe so much, she keeps making it. So, yay. Well, we had talked about parsnips, and we differ on, our, on how much we love parsnips. Well, I'd never had a parsnip before, and urged on by both a giant parsnip in the TV screen and the nudging of a listener, I decided to try parsnips. And if you add garlic and salt, etc., it's mighty tasty. So I am a convert, um, although I'd never eaten them before. How old am I? I don't know. We also had raspberry cordial, which is definitely more delicious. Sorry, parsnips. <laughs> Actually, I made cocktails with mine. So yay me. <laughs> Sometimes things don't always go as planned. Here is a quick series of outtakes that proves our point. <laughs> Farty. That's funny. 30 more minutes, babe. Hey, wait, is it break? Honey, no. we're trying to finish so you can go to Keegan's party. Okay. <laughs> like, that's all. Play. You have to be quiet, honey. This is the finish. You have to be quiet. Love you. You guys, come on. I will do something else. We'll take a break in about 30 minutes and we'll come see what you need. Can you do something else, please? Too much thumping. Hey! Fishwife wins. And there's another really loud car that is interfering with my statements. I don't hear it. I do. It's like, I can hear it. It's like, right now. <laughs> I believe you. Send him to Mormon boot camp with Rachel. You didn't say boot camp. No, he said boot. Boot camp. Boot camp. No, she said camp. No. 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 I said boot camp, you boot. See, that time I did say boot. Yeah. On a calmer note, turn right up for the street. boot camp. And again, a 30-second summary, followed by, I would insert a drum roll here. Let's just consider it done. We are going to announce our guaranteed content poll candidates for 2018. Stand by. And here's your 30-second summary. 
The day that changed the life of this woman was as common as many she'd lived before, but all of the actions and all of the lessons from all of those days worked together to form her into an instrument for change. And then, one common day, Rosa Parks stepped on a bus. The end. Every so often, we let you guys decide who we're going to cover, and we have a guaranteed content poll. In the past, you've brought us things like Jane Austen. We were pushing her off, and you guys said, no, cover her. So we did. The Romanovs, Catherine the Great, there's another one. So our next guaranteed content poll, contestants? We'll sure. have, yeah, it'll be on our website. We'll put on our social media a link to it. Um, but I, did you already do the drum roll? Uh, I'll put it in, maybe or not. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Here we go. Sacagawea. Christina of Sweden. Lucrezia Borgia. Rani Lakshmibai. And Zora Neil Hurston. These are all people who get requested quite a bit. So uh, do you want to pick a favorite there, Beckett? Somebody you think is going to win? I think I know who's going to win. Uh, I think Lucrezia Borgia is going to win. Yeah, I do too. That's exactly. But we shouldn't say that because it might. We've been surprised before. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I kind of like these because it forces me to research someone who I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe. And I have to do it. So um, I've always been surprised, pleasantly surprised by the winners of these. So I'm assuming that's going to happen again. So thanks for sticking around. Um, two things. We are going to close out with four different audio clues. And you're the only ones that are going to hear these. We're not going to put them anywhere else. That will give you a hint as to subjects that we are definitely in the middle of researching right now. And you can look forward to very soon. So as usual, we neither confirm nor deny on these audio clues. So good luck. Talk amongst yourselves. And that's all we're going to hear about that. The end song is by Paul and Storm and is called Pillsbury Cookie Dough. And I was able to use it way, way back on the Betty Crocker episode, but it's never seemed very appropriate since. And I have always wanted to use it. And it is so hilarious that we decided to end on that. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us for this fraudulent 100th episode. <laughs> for this 144th episode. <laughs> But we'll just call it the way. It's definitely our seven-year anniversary, though. Correct. Correct. So, yay. I, I would clink glasses with you, but I can't reach. <laughs> we are far away from each other. So stay tuned for our regularly scheduled subjects coming up soon. Although we won't tell you who, her audio clue is included in the audio clues to follow. So thank you so much for listening. Bye. going on here? A house warming. Right. You can actually change the size and shape of the rooms. Like this, or this, or lots of other ways. It really is a dream. You can tell they're Mattel. That's well. Tell them of mercy. She is one who early hath her pilgrimage begun. Yea, let young damsels learn of her to prize. The world which is to come, and so be wise. For little tripping maids might follow God along the ways which saintly feet have trod.
these pictures uh, are good, too. That one behind you is a uh, Civil War picture. Has that been in the White House long? No. Um, well, that's the picture that my committee to get pictures for the White House found for here. It's wonderful. It has such historic interest. Civil War Maneuvers by Wordsworth Thompson. It depicts the action at Edwards Ferry in Balls Bluff, Virginia, in October 1861. I think, I feel so strongly that the White House should have as fine a collection of American pictures as possible. It's so important the setting in which the presidency's presented to the world, to foreign visitors, and American people should be proud of it. Peel back the label, give it a squeeze, you're gonna eat. 